Hello, my name is Colby Fong, and welcome to the second episode of Wilderness and Wildness. You'll be getting my good friend Julian Wise on the air soon, but until that project gets wrapped up, I thought I'd fill the space. Today, a story about Voyager canoes off the main coast, and a sunrise that changed a life. Yeah, this might be a story I experienced in expedition camp, but I promise you it's nothing like any other camp. This one includes copious amounts of hippies, bare feet, kids with sharp objects, and month-long expeditions of minimal comforts. It's honestly a little bit more minimal than what your average thru-hiker carries around. But without further ado, let's begin. We were set to take two bright Voyager canoes and our 12-person crew. Each canoe was meant to be paddled with six to eight people and can be suited with a square sail when the wind is blowing in your favor. So after double-checking our gear and last-minute preparation, 12 people piled into a van with the two Voyager canoes off the back. First, we were to go to another establishment where a woodworker would show us how to craft paddles out of poplar. After a day or so, everyone had completed their paddles and we were ready to hit the ocean. Only a five-hour van ride stood in my way. From two and a half weeks off the main coast, I was excited. One hour, two hours, three hours went by, and then it hit like a ton of bricks. I needed to use the bathroom. So I yelled to the counselor driving, and I said in all too classic fashion, I need to go to the bathroom. Can you pull over at some point? To which my counselor replied, I'm not stopping till we get there. Why didn't you go before we got in the van? To be fair, I guess he had a point. But how was I supposed to know what my bowels were going to be doing three hours later? I should have known, though, after eating those organic dates as a snack. So I held it. Two long hours later, we arrived at our campsite. Immediately, I tried, and I had no success. This was a problem. I was fully constipated. My other counselor told me to drink three Nalgenes of water, and she assured me that this would clear up the problem. Three Nalgenes of water later, and no success. This was getting concerning. I informed my counselor again, to which she pulled me aside and said, You can ask Darlene how you can solve this problem. And I said, Why can't you ask? To which my counselor shrugged. I knew this meant Darlene had laxatives. What's a 16-year-old boy's worst fear? Up there has got to be asking a girl if he could use her laxatives. In all fairness, this probably isn't something I'd want to do today. But I did, because I was super concerned. And then Darlene cautioned. You know it's a little late in the day to be taking laxatives, so be careful. So I stayed up all night, but the problems had been resolved. And in the morning, I woke up a little disheveled, but ready to meet the ocean. The first day was a 14-mile glide down a bay that led to more open water. It was like paddling on flat water, and the six canoe paddles sinking up made the old Voyager canoes move along at a steady pace. Days went by, pleasantly hopping from one island to the next down the rocky shores of Maine. We went by small villages and towns, somewhere it looked like the John boats got more use than the cars. We would camp on islands not far offshore, with beaches of small stones that the canoes would scoot along when we pushed up their banks. Cotton shorts ripped and wore out quick from the salt water and glinting sun. We started to look like a small band of pirates with bandanas tucked under our hats to protect from the sun, and our blistered tan skin. Days were filled with paddling, more paddling, and yet again, even more paddling. The boats transported us near dark, steep cliffs and over forests of kelp. <clears throat> the evenings were truly the most enjoyable. After pulling the boats in, there was time provided to be alone, which was necessary after long days of paddling together. I would wander away and sit in the tall grasses of the beach. 
I would listen to them as they swayed in the breeze and watch the azure waves roll in like brothers stumbling over each other in a field. These moments are pure bliss. As the warm evening sun came in in its orange glow, then big pots would be put over fire when the sun ducked down behind its curtain of water. And wood-fired blaze underneath would become the focal point of your attention, and whatever was scooped into the old metal bowls would be gone as fast as it arrived. Weary from the day's paddling, eyes would close as soon as they could, once wrapped in a sleeping bag with a thin nylon tent around. So days went on like this, paddle hard, then enjoy your evening. But soon, things would get a little harder. These Voyager canoes also needed someone as a tiller in the more open water where the currents get stronger. And a few days went by when our progress was less than three miles. Currents dragged on the wide hulls, and I'm sure we went backwards a couple times. Some of us were better at being tiller than others, and on our solo, a day when the counselors watched from afar but were unseen by us, the worst tiller had jumped to the helm. Nobody had the authority to tell him no, but we all knew we were in for a day. He swung a starboard and then port, starboard and then port, as if you were drunk trying to follow the bearing. And at one point I refused to have any more swaying, and seeing our bearing line line up with the rock outcrop a fourth of a mile away, I told him to hold us steady on that mark. The swaying stopped and we got closer to the outcrop, and as we got close, it started to pull us fast towards the outcrop. The crew looked tired from a rough day as zigzagging across the sea. I yelled for him to point up off the outcrop or else we would hit it. He declined and passed it with, We're going to scoot right by. No need to divert around it. My heart sunk. We were headed straight for the rocks. Now I was on the side that would hit the rocks. The thin cedar strip wall would certainly crack against the rocks. And we were over a half mile away from shore. I dug in hard. In fact, the drowsy crew awoke, and we all dug in hard. I felt my paddle bend as I pulled it through the water. Each stroke made me feel it on the edge of snapping. We were a mere foot away from the rocks. Enough for me to put my paddle in and pull hard as to possibly clear the end of the boat. We made it past, and the tiller sat in sun silence for a few minutes, and then later he handed the position off. We paddled through more rough seas that day, but my frayed nerves were calmed again. When I sat in the seagrass, let my imagination roll the seagrass into a prairie instead of a beachside. I resolved and then went to dinner. I found that we were running low on food, and one bowl of buckwheat did not really cut the hunger. The next day found a trolling line in the water behind our canoe. We worked our way towards Mount Desert Island and paddled past huge surging cliffs into the deepest water of the trip. We pulled in a few shiny mackerel. Their azure backs sparkled beautifully. And then a fin emerged. It was straight, and we were sure we were about to happen upon a shark, who was too searching for those azure backs. The fin spun in a circle. My heart and chest tightened. Although our canoes were big, I remembered the stories I'd heard of people getting attacked in kayaks. We boldly paddled towards the fin. After all, it was in our path. When we got close, we realized that there are other fish with fins. This was an ocean sunfish. It was a beautiful creature. They have almost mythical form, with fins coming down off the center point of their body from both sides. They look as though they were drawn by children with their running imaginations. These fish weigh hundreds of pounds. This poor fish was circling, presumably hit by a boat. Fear had turned to pity almost immediately. 
and there was certainly not much we could do for our fin fin. Its opaque, energyless body made you feel ashamed for being human. It made you feel ashamed for being a part of the group that damaged such a beautiful life form. However, canoes do not paddle themselves, and tonight buckwheat with mackerel and hand-dug clams were appreciated for the energy they gave our bodies. Thanks were said to the beings that gave to us, and the shells were given back to the ocean, but my stomach still groaned, because a couple clams and mackerel were not quite enough. I came back to the shore where the shells were, and tens of crabs had scampered in to feast, their bodies glue in my headlamp, and I asked to keep the pot of water on the low flames of the fire. We gathered some clawed beings and thanked them for their sustenance as well. Today I had been fueled by the ocean, despite what we had taken from her selfishly. Only our mother could be so kind as to sustain us after we had senselessly taken her beautiful son, the ocean sunfish. So days went on like this, and the ocean sustained us and fed us in spirit and body. Towards the end of this great odyssey, we arrived at a small island with jumbled rocks and filled with mosquitoes. We were told that we were going to be put on a solo overnight with as little as possible. I chose to bring a rain jacket, rain pants, rain boots, a headlamp, a piece of paper, a pen, and some cherry chapstick. I sat through the evening writing my thoughts and sorting my thoughts. It got dark soon enough, and the mosquitoes descended. A cold wind ripped off the sea, which was a mere 30 feet away. I tucked close to a rock. That wind howled like witches casting hexes on poor beings, and I convinced, and I was convinced by these howls, so much so that I sat up and peered into an increasingly dark boulder field a few times. And through the night, the eerie sounds and humming mosquitoes drove me close to a breaking point. But then in the darkness was a new sound, one that was so melodic to me over the howling winds, but monotonous to anyone else's ears. The thrum of the lobster boats going out to the sound. In this darkness, that was the promise of morning coming. It was beautiful in a way, people working for their lives in cooperation with our mother. Soon after, an orange hue started up the horizon. It spread out slowly as if someone was letting the watercolor paint spread out on the paper behind the large, impressive Mount Desert Island. That orange changed to a pastel pink, which saturated the sky and spread further. The howling wind and mosquitoes had dropped away. The pink gave way to a short red sky that rapidly burnt away to a familiar blue. I was in awe, but the whole time I had felt connected to that island I was on, as if for a brief moment my spirit was tethered to that island. What had I felt? And then it hit me like a rushing wave. The small, jumbled island had taught me a lesson, and it really had only one word to say. Humility. The island which I sat on had seen that glamorous light show a thousand times over, the proud Mount Desert Island, but this island, with its jumbled rocks and swarms of mosquitoes, needed no light show. It was humble, and persisted through the lapping waves of the ocean, day in and day out. It spoke and said, What is it that you need when you steer your boat too close to the rocks? And I answered, Humility. The island spoke and it said, What is it that you need when you rely on me for your energy and sustenance? And I answered, Humility. The island spoke again and it asked, What is it that you need when your kind pointlessly takes a life? And I answered, Humility. I was going to try to be humbled like that island. The ocean is a humbling place, and when it spoke I did my best to listen. I look back on that day, years removed, and still think it may be one of the singular most important moments of my life.
No. When I sit in the grass, or I watch the waves roll in, I think one thing. Be humble and be kind. y'all that's episode two if you like what you heard you can email me at colby.fong at hotmail.com that's c-o-l-b-y dot f-o-n-g at hotmail.com i don't know about you guys but i'm super stoked to hear julian on the air next week and if you want to be on here just write a submission to that email as well today's music was paradox hip-hop with their song alive on arrival V Spiegel with their song Quest Part 1, Cali Reek Dub with their song Fold Space Dub. Alright, stay wild my friends.